Before we begin, I'd like to proudly mention our sponsor, Injitsu.com, providing remote at-home training from some of the world's top MMA fighters. These classes are not pre-recorded. These trainers come to you live and coach you for the duration of the class. I've personally taken a few of these classes, and I've never felt so inspired and accomplished in a workout session. They'll leave you both on the floor in exhaustion, but wanting more. There are still slots available for online classes, so head over to injitsu.com slash richardlistens to get your first class free. That's I-N-J-I-T-S-U dot com slash richardlistens. I'll see you there. I'm a big fan of MMA sports. It's rough and elegant at the same time. I think my number one fear of stepping into a ring like that would be protecting my teeth. Luckily, the guys over at Impact Dental Designs have created an amazing mouth guard that is state of the art. These mouth guards are currently being used by some of the best MMA fighters, but even better, they can be tailored to any sport. Football, hockey, boxing, soccer, the list is endless. Head over to impactdentaldesigns.com slash richardlistens to get 20% off your order and a free customized design for your mouth guard. Everybody and welcome again to the Richard Listen Show, where we are featuring a panel. This is number two of five, featuring Division One, the Division on Clinical Practice for the California Psychological Association, and we are bringing to the members and to the public uh, volunteers who give of their time to serve their profession to bring further benefits and value to you as a member or student or just a psychologist or professional out there looking to learn more about ways in which advocacy is occurring, uh, in which your membership organizations can help serve you and protect you and make you feel a part of something bigger, especially at this time uh, of quarantine and isolation. Uh, it is um, my honor to sit with the uh, former uh, chair for Division One for the prior year, still very much um, sitting there offering her uh, wisdom from her private practice. She's a private practice practitioner in Sacramento, California, uh, and uh, also shares love for sports psychology on the side, which I serve as the chair for the sports and performance division for Division One. Without further ado, uh, today we're going to focus on advocacy and uh, five different pillars of advocacy. We hope to keep it short, sweet, and um, we thank Dr. Amy Offeld for joining us today. No, thank you so much, Richard. And to be doing this with you, uh, we've gotten a chance to know each other some in the last couple of years, and it's just really a, a delight to be here. Thank uh, you. And trying something new that you have kind of forayed us into the future with <laughs> Division One, doing podcasts. And, you know, that's one thing that's come as a benefit during this time for me personally is the opportunity to try new things, even, <laughs> even as we are at home and doing podcasts is new for me. So I appreciate being invited. Thank you. And I have to say in all my podcasts, the main themes that have come up have been Zoom-friendly fashion, 
and your Zoom background. So I think you're winning the battle here. I've got my like, I don't know what that Tim Allen show with my fence in my background and you have, I mean, you are ready to go. So you, you could be doing many of these. You are <laughs> kind. Well, you know, it's taken some, you know, uh, iterations, right? A chair, a decent enough background that's not too distracting, right? I don't know about the fashion part of it. I'll leave that alone. Well, isn't that funny that there's companies, that's one of the businesses that is uh, launching out there right now is Zoom-friendly fashion. And, of course, it's all like, you know, from the neck up. So we just got to keep, you know, keep your camera high and uh, everything stays okay and ethical in the field of psychology, right? That's right. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) So yes, we find ourselves in interesting times uh, and changing times. And this often is uh, partially why, you know, the why for a lot of psychologists and healing professionals, we get into this field to make a difference and to be a part of uh, representing our field and the changes that are occurring. Um, And I know it's really complicated out there with how to go forward with seeing people in our practices and how to do it in a safe manner. Uh, Will there be, um, you know, legislation coming out to this effect? I know it wasn't the topic we were going to focus on today, but briefly just because it is the time that we're in. Right, right. So we'll, 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 I'll answer this question and kind of take it even a step further in terms of advocacy, because that's the focus today, which is a personal favorite of mine. I love when you keep me focused, you see? <laughs> <Tell you. laughs> well, the, the, but to you know, answer your question, I think there already has been some legislative advocacy and wins for us around during this COVID time. I mean, namely anyone who is a person who takes insurance uh, or works for a entity that takes insurance. Uh, we have, you know, seen some gains both federally, you know, with the federal um, Medicare kind of allowance to do telemedicine, uh, telehealth that has at first they allowed us to do, uh, you know, to do it by video only and get reimbursed, even if we weren't doing it from our office, we were conducting and giving doing therapy uh, from our homes and our patients were in their homes, they allowed that, which then set the precedent for uh, other insurance agencies, uh, insurance you know, companies to uh, be able to allow us to do the same thing. And then that got expanded even more into, uh, you know, to telephonic sessions and for that allowance. And, you know, that is a temporary allowance. But I, my personal belief is that the advocacy and leg- the legislative advocacy in particular will uh, continue us on because I don't, I think a lot of our most vulnerable people, our elderly people, as we know with COVID. And I I don't know about you, but I know the patients, I am a Medicare provider and the patients that I see who are elderly are in no way wanting to return to the office anytime soon, nor do I personally want to even have to make that decision at any time soon. So I imagine that this these wins legislatively that have happened recently will probably continue for sure to be a battle, uh, but may may continue into the future. And it's it's hard to me to imagine in this environment in the in the short term or in the long term, honestly, for that to be turned back. For some of them. Yeah, a lot of people, a lot of people have said that a lot of these changes that are occurring is kind of pushing us forward into the future and the yeah. changes that we would have made, but maybe have taken longer time to yeah. do, um, you know, hence my overcoming fear over my telehealth portal, or developing a consent form for telehealth, even these little changes, even as a professional can be daunting. So there's plenty of resources out there now. And it feels like we're thrust forward. And when I get a call from a senior in a facility um, that, that knows they can reach 
reach me because they're isolated. I'm so thankful that that Medicare has caught on and, and making it accessible and, and how scary and vulnerable these populations are. Yeah, so thank you. We can, we can thank, you know, the people, when we think of advocacy, you know, and this will foray us into more talking specific about the different kinds of advocacy. I'll share a story of my own personal tactical type of advocacy, but but I think you know we we can thank our state association, so the California Psychological Association, uh, in particular, the CEO Joe Linder Crow, Dr. Joe Linder Crow, and Elizabeth Winkleman, who helps us with um, some of these. I'm going to forget her exact title, but she helps us with a lot of these things. They have been at the forefront, you know, in terms of pushing, you know, supporting supporting what's going on. I don't know her title, Amy, but I I, I think that uh, I think we should just put a like emoji of Elizabeth by like the bat phone. Yeah, I think right. that should be that should be her title because yeah, it's right. like That's she gets right. the calls for for legal ethical advocacy. So most members yeah. out there are potential members. I mean, I just this month. Uh, my one key interaction with Sacramento was through Elizabeth and uh, she helped support about how to protect uh, an adult and adult protective services and a conservancy type yes. discussion. So yes. anyway, just had to throw that in there. Props to Elizabeth Winkleman. Absolutely. <laughs> she is both a psychologist and uh, lawyer and her title is director of professional affairs, which I'm remembering now, but she's amazing. And uh, both of them have been really great in communicating to members as well as to, you know, the, the psychologists throughout California about these kind of wins. And then on the federal side as well, you know, APA does a lot of work for us. So, and, and I think when we, when we're talking, and, and also even earlier in the year, AB5 in California in terms That's of right. psychologists to keep their, uh, you know, independent contractor status um, and not have to, um, you know, follow some of the other um, laws that were going to be imposed. Uh, so that is, you know, we were included with that, which was a win for sure. So, and usually when we're talking about advocacy, a lot of times we're talking about people in their mind think legislative advocacy, right? You think about the laws and the regs and, and how we make sure that, you know, our profession is protected. And I think that is a very key key type of, of advocacy for sure. And we want to make sure psychologists' interests are protected. And we, that's why we need our state association as well as our uh, national association. Uh, but I think there are also other types of advocacy. So I'll, I'll let you, I can talk more about those, but I think, you know, I think as the division one uh, chair last year, one big kind of initiative of ours last year was to do a membership. Uh, that's exactly what I was going to ask you about. Like that was a, that was, and that's a tremendous effort for any organization to look at, you know, satisfaction internally. And, and if changes need to be made, what would they like to see and who is our organization? How do we, uh, not honor the people that we are the face of, but also bring in the needs of all of our members. Mm -hmm, definitely. And what we learned from the survey, we did some surveys, both quantitative and qualitative, uh, and, and kind of did the study that was really, you know, the entire year we did last year and, and got the results from it. What we learned from both, these are people that are psychologists that are and, and students of psychology, both members of CPA, both members of Division One, and people who are not members of CPA and are not members of Division One. And what we found was that actually, you know, we, when people say they want advocacy, they actually mean lots of different things when they're saying that. Because the advocacy that we just talked about, legislative advocacy, 
that's one way that people kind of appreciate, you know, um, work in that area, but there's also other kinds of advocacy that people are talking about. And so maybe it might be helpful just to share some of those different kinds of advocacy and then I'll, I'll share a story from uh, one specific type of advocacy. Sounds great. So again, we've already talked we talk strategic. Right. We talked, we've talked to legislative, right? So mm -hmm. now in terms of strategic advocacy, that's kind of like advocacy that elevates the profession as a whole, right? And, and maybe even delineates the difference between uh, what a psychologist does or who a psychologist is versus other mental health professionals. That's what we say, what we mean by strategic. Um, and that's what we learned from our, from our study that that's what people appreciated um, inroads in strategic advocacy, which is really how we delineate ourselves from other mental health professionals and elevates our profession as a whole. The other kind of uh, advocacy is public mental health, and that's more, uh, you know, in the area of advocating for the mental health needs of California's. The needs of homelessness. Exactly. Uh, for our population yeah. in whatever ways those are, right, in these different crises that we have. I mean, now with COVID and people being at home and, uh, and not having access to services, whether that means, you know, their, their usual, you know, substance, substance support groups, right, for like 12-step groups or people's loneliness if they live alone or domestic violence when they're, in, they're stuck at home and they are in violent situations. So when we, when we advocate for people, the public's mental health, that's kind of public health advocacy, right? Public mental health advocacy. And then the last one that we learned something about that people really care about, that psychologists really care about, is more what we would call tactical or practical, procedural kind of, I'm gonna call it tactical for our purposes, but that's where you, know, where you are um, doing something for, that might be more specific like insurance reimbursement. It's more about it within the, the ins and outs of the profession, more things that we can advocate on behalf of, you know, whether that's uh, you know, rights for psych assistance or hours or things like that that are important to us. So, you know, those those are, are four different areas of advocacy. And it's exciting because no matter what, you could be involved in any, any one of those or all of those or, you know, in any way there's a place for you, right, to be involved and to uh, and to also, you know, make inroads in those different areas, which are so important for the profession as a whole. Yeah, I mean, it's so hard to be everything to everyone. And I know at different stages of my career, you know, maybe something like a legislative change uh, doesn't feel like it impacts you. Uh, as directly and personally. So I think it's amazing that in this time of tremendous change, when everyone is being impacted, that they get to see that uh, CPA is doing uh, work for them. And there's even an advocacy day, right? If you're a member where you can go to Sacramento and be a yeah. part of that. Yeah. Yeah. And that, you know, that's usually in March and this year, obviously for obvious reasons, we had to cancel it, but, but in the future, I imagine we're going to, you know, have that happen again. And, and also just even go, showing up at your local legislator's office, you know, that's another piece of legislative advocacy. I would say that CPA... Zoom advocacy, huh? It's a wave of the future. <laughs> right. Big, how large is your Zoom room for a CPA? <laughs> <laughs> right, 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 right. It's great. Especially simultaneous as we're having this, there's something else happening that CPA is doing, a Zoom meeting uh, that's on kind of racial disparity uh, during this time in terms of COVID. And Joe said yesterday, I was on a call with her and she said that there were so many people signed up, 500 
people signed up. That they had to up their Zoom account? They did. They did. Yes. They could have up to a thousand people on Zoom. So finally, you know, there is interest. I think whatever your entry point is to advocacy, there's there's interest there. Um, I I would like to share a story uh, of my own personal. Uh, understanding and journey of more like practical tactical advocacy that I think will appeal to your listeners go right ahead anyone who is trying to get paid what they're worth and mm -hmm. has had to yes <laughs> I learned that's like the first stage like you know for karate sensei when they look at like you know overcoming fears is like when they see the level of your hand going up yes. you know it's kind of like stuck in your armpit for a while yeah, and so if you, up, right? <laughs> double hands up double hands extended yes more hands pay more pay our, our value value us right. yes that's right and, you know, I think, you know, before I, as I tell the story, I should start with that I have worked in different professions. When I was a teacher, I often ran into the same thing that I run into as a psychologist, which is we, this is a profession in which we are a helping profession, right? We are doing something to benefit others. We, we care a lot about other people. Uh, and the people, our clients and patients that we help. And there's some divide about, or some, something, some schism, I'll say, that when people are doing something that's a helping profession, they often feel like it's dirty to talk about money. Mm. Or that they shouldn't expect as much because then it makes somehow you cross the line over being evil, <laughs> from being this benevolent helper to evil to talk about money. And I think that along with, you know, in, in being a teacher, a historically female dominated profession, I think as psychologists now, I actually think there are more women that are psychologists than men. So, the, you know, and, and certainly in the field of in terms of mental health, including other therapists, social workers, it is a female dominated profession in general, collectively. And I think there is something to also what we expect, and there may be a gender piece to this about being a woman and how do we advocate for ourselves, not just for other people. It seems like everyone these days is trying new workout systems. Some people go to the gym, others may run, but I've recently discovered a great in-home method that is absolutely amazing. I'm taking in-jitsu classes online where I'm being trained and pushed in real time by top MMA fighters straight from the octagon. Injitsu.com provides real-time classes so you can get a top-notch workout from the comfort of your own home. These classes are absolutely going to sell out. So head over to Injitsu.com slash Richard Listens to get your first class for free. That's I-N-J-I-T-S-U dot com slash Richard Listens. Protecting your child's teeth is important in any sport. That's why Impact Dental Designs has put so much thought into their state-of-the-art mouth guards, protecting athletes in youth sports all the way up to advanced MMA fighters and champions. And the best part is you can customize your own design for your own creative and fun mouth guard. So head over to impactdentaldesigns.com slash Richard Listens. And if you purchase now, you get a free customized design and 20% off your order. 
Yeah, and speaking for the males in the profession, I came from my mother being a teacher and guidance counselor, my sister's a therapist, and probably a long line of aunts and uncles and cousins, well, at least the, the aunts and, and, and female cousins, right? So the influence of the caring, the nurturing, um, and, and, you know, needing to balance out the business side. In fact, I've often joked, you know, word to the wise for Sacramento, that I know that the orthodontists in Canada get a six-month business course once they graduate graduate from uh from you know their professional right right so i've often said right as as psychologists there should be a business training initiation because it's really something where you hand over a lot of power to the insurers and to other and and part of why we decided to do this podcast or why this topic for this podcast too was to just Mm -hmm. highlight some of these uh you know some just you know, provoke maybe people to be thinking about things. And I'm hoping that I can share a few things just of my own tactical advocacy that uh, people can take and actually apply to their own um, way that they manage their business. So given, given that, uh, rewind to this past fall. I've been in practice for nine years. And uh, in October will be nine years. Last October, I was helping out a early career psychologist who works for an entity, but also wanted to start a small private practice on the weekends and came to me and asked me some questions because she wanted, you know, help to figure out how to gear up to do a private practice. And so I, I, you know, made some suggestions and gave her some feedback. And then she, she was opting whether or not she was going to take any insurance. And so she asked me about one specific insurance company of which I am paneled on and have been for, for almost nine years and told me that she, you know, she was going to panel with that one as well. Asked me about reimbursement rates. Again, I know, uh, you know, we can't discuss in terms of a listserv or anything, but we're allowed to talk individually to people. And she asked me, about reimbursement rates for this insurance company. So I told her and I, I, my experience working with the insurance company. So she opted to, to join the panel. She then came to me a month later. So it was probably September because she came to me in October and said to me, Amy, I just want you to know that you can probably negotiate up. And I said, what do you mean? And she said, you, you are not getting paid what I'm getting paid. Uh, per, per, you know, for, you know, 907-91-90837. And I said, really? And she said, you know, she, she didn't go into specifics. And I said, wow, okay. Uh, thank you for that information. You know, and, and I realized for myself, cause I had heard this through the years that maybe there's some negotiating you can do with insurance companies. Uh, you know, probably not Medicare because it's a federal, you know, deal, but, but with these individual insurance companies, you, you can try to advocate for yourself and your rate. And what happened, what I, what I found out was that newer people for the last several years have gotten, you know, $30 more per code uh, for being a new person signing up with a panel compared to me. And that did not sit right with me. Not <laughs> nothing with my friend who is an early career psychologist. Absolutely, I believe she should get paid what she's getting paid. But I realized for myself, okay, this does not make sense. And you know what? I've been hearing this for years that you can negotiate and I've never done it. Nine years, never done it. And been a loyal, you know, uh, provider to taking good 
quality, high quality care of these patients that come to me through this insurance company. And I said, no way. Okay, I'm going to contact them and ask for a, you know, increase in my, in my, in a review for my rate. Well, when I talked to the person that, of course, it took me many iterations to get to someone I could talk to, when I finally did, she told me that this particular insurance company was reevaluating all of their rates. And so for her to open a case for me at this moment in time, which was late October, it would prolong it would prolong and get in the way of them, you know, nothing would really happen because they were evaluating rates for all providers. And by December 31st, they thought they would decide and that I would have more luck if I, uh, you know, just held tight and waited till January 1, when she, that everything would be on par, right? The current. And, and I said, well, I, you know, and again, I was, you know, uh, respectful but said, I'm not sure why I need to wait for you to decide that when I've been, you know, I've been paid the same rate for now, you know, eight years at that time, eight years, and I've never asked for an increase. It doesn't seem like, you know, that I should have to wait for this. But she said, but, you know, she, again, didn't have any kind of ability to change that. Fast, and so then I asked for her contact information. I asked for her to reach out to me December 31st or at the latest January 1 to let me know. And if I didn't hear from her, she would be hearing from me. Fast forward, January 8th, I don't hear anything, right? It's January 8th. And I end up, um, first I emailed her, didn't hear any, I emailed her, didn't hear anything, called her, didn't hear anything. I emailed again, probably several days later and got an email response back that she was no long, she was on leave. <laughs> and that wouldn't be able to answer. And there were a couple other people there. I'm not going to go into all the specifics, but I want you to know, and I want the listeners to hear mm -hmm. that you all have the capability of asking for a rate increase. And now on my calendar, every year, January 1st, I will be asking for that with every insurance company I'm part of that's, that's a, you know, an insurance company. I don't think Medicare, I, I don't have pull, but, um, but what ended up happening was I got a lot of runaround from different people, but I finally got to the boss of the boss of the boss. And I told them I was tired for six, almost six months at this point, this is beginning of February by the time I really got anywhere with anyone. And I also said, you know what, wait a minute, I'm not going to ask for what my colleague is getting paid. I'm actually asking my rate because I'm not, this is like ridiculous, right, for all of this to have happened and for me to have been on hold. And I also realized, wait a minute, it's not evil for me to ask for, you know, my rate or more to negotiate down from. And after, you know, <laughs> after doing some threatening of my own, which was saying, you know, I'm going to have to stop being a provider. I'm going to have to let my patients know that because of this, you guys not, um, you know, getting back to me and not uh, agreeing to, you know, reevaluate rates that I'm, I'm not going to be, you know, I, I'm not going to be able to see my patients anymore. I'm going to have to tell them I'm going to have to get off this panel. And I see a lot of their patients and they were not happy about that and did not want me going to my patients, um, not to bring them into the insurance fight, but to let them know and to say, I'm going to have to stop treatment until we get this ironed out, right? They did not want to hear that. And what they ended up doing was they agreed to my rate 
and they agreed. I also advocated for myself to get paid for all of the sessions that have happened since January 1st, when they said initially they would get back to me to have all of those um, comp me compensated at my new rate for. And then what, what I all, you know, and so you're hearing my, my anger come through. Yeah, it's coming up. Easy now. Let's, should we go into a mindfulness uh, portion? <laughs> Time out. And, <laughs> to and, listen mindful. But yeah, but, but it is aggravating because I'm hearing you having to go from, like, it's like I'm in the chair, I'm the provider, I'm caring for it. I got to leave it and enter the role of advocate right. or like a legal kind of battle. Right. And, and right. it's almost like if you don't have the, you know, you have to be the one following up. You have to be so on top of, the yeah. administrative communication. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and what I have to do in order to get in that space is separate myself from Amy, the psychologist with my patients to Amy, the person who believes that she should be paid what she's worth and that I'm providing high quality treatment and having to work with an insurance company that, you know, whether or not they care about their enrollees, I'm not sure they care about the bottom line, I know. But I know they also want to be able to, you know, not have people complain, right, about not being able to find providers or about their provider, you know, saying, hey, you know, there, there's a problem because of the insurance company that I'm not able to see you. And, and so I know that that's in their best interest, too. But it, it is very true what you say, Richard, about, you know, there's one hat that you wear when you're in the therapy chair with your patient. But this is another one that, that for me, I have to wear to value myself equally as valuing um, my patient and, you know, and my worth right there. And Well, and that's really it. Yeah, there's so many layers to what you just said. And, and I know we want to sum up to, you know, with the pillars of Division One. Uh, but thank you for being vulnerable and sharing that personal story. And this is part of the gifts of being a part of uh, Division One uh, is that you get access to clinicians who have experience, who've been there, who are going through the battles. And sometimes if we don't have a skill ourselves, I don't want to judge anyone out there who's like, I have no idea how to get a client. I have no idea how to discuss rates. I mean, these things are coming up on all the listservs and in aggregate and now with social media, you know, we get to ask these questions of one another. But the opportunity to learn how to advocate for yourself, how to determine your self-worth as a professional, yeah. how to set rates and fees, you know, uh, you know, when you're hired on the licensing exam about how to respond to it subpoena or getting called to court yeah. you don't think it's going to happen to you but but it happened to me in the last month and from a case that was two years ago so eventually you, you know knowing how to handle these situations and knowing how to hold your own ground even in a crisis when they were asking for records and I had to firmly assert that it would be me not some copy clerk providing the records and I'd be going to the post office that that, that was going to be time compensated for and sure enough the check arrived two weeks later so but I had a, that took a lot of learning. <laughs> yeah. That yeah. took a lot of, yeah. oh, I thought they said they were going to pay me or I thought I, they got my invoice, you know, so. Yes, yes. And, and I think that the other piece of this is what you're talking about, this, this program and also all of our col the colleagues that you have support, whether you're in a consultation group with or being able to discuss this kind of stuff, because my consultation groups were really helpful to me in terms of giving me feedback. Mm. about this process that I was going through, but also my learning and me sharing that with them and hopefully me sharing this with you allowed my colleagues to go to this insurance company and say, hey, I want to at least be brought up to the rate that new people are. And so now there's probably 25 psychologists in Sacramento 
who are getting at least who didn't know before. Well, that's the power of the collective. Like it starts individually, but the power, the ripple effects of collective of saying, this is what we're worth, you know, especially when there are right now to get on, you know, off track, but that there are individuals who do not go through the credentialing, this, the continuing training uh, efforts to further the profession and can charge their rate and are not regulated. So the ability to go to, these are relationships. These are business relationships and, ideally partners i know they want to keep costs down but if they want the quality care which really reduces recidivism and really treats um yeah. illness and doesn't just send someone running for uh you know putting them with what they can get for the bargain rate um they're you know they want why wouldn't you want to send your family to someone with the most experience who specializes in what you treat in and have that person sitting fully focused on you because they care feel cared for absolutely absolutely and that'll so, be a whole another conversation on yeah, burnout and and right. avoiding burnout and things of that nature but in wrapping up i know you've got to get back to sessions uh, real quick uh you know you're gonna tell people how to reach you please and and uh what are the 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 five pillar goals you know just in summation for division yeah. one I think this conversation also came, you know, Dave Lynn, who is now the chair of Division One, kind of really wonderfully uh, organized our study into the five salient pillars uh, that we're all focused on this year for Division One. And one of them, of course, is advocacy. So that's why we've talked about that this time. Another one is marketing and communication. Those are together, marketing and communication of how we market and communicate to you uh, as potential Division One members or Division One members, and then technology. You know, we're ta we're talking about getting an app for Division One, creating an app and having that happen, which we're excited about. Networking, you know, which is also challenging when you don't have in-person uh, things this year yet. But we are we're still. This is a very big focus of our Zoom mixers. Right, right, right. Zoom mixers. I love it. Zoom, Zoom cocktail parties on uh, on advocacy. One drink, one drink limit. Professionals. Right, exactly. <laughs> and then and then the other last piece is career stages. Just making sure that we address because we are the division of clinical and professional practice and want to really address psychologists through all this all the different stages um, of their career so that we really capture you know what a student just becoming a psychologist as an early career person is someone who's mid-career, later career, and then someone who retires. We want to capture all of that developmentally and, and be able to give you things that are, are worthwhile. Um, so it's been really a, a treat to talk with you. You can, if anyone is interested in contacting me, you can always call me at 916-799-3866, or you can email me, and my, my um, email is dr, and then my last name, which is spelled A-H-L-F as in Frank, E-L-D as in dog, at gmail.com, drothfeld at gmail.com. Been a, been a total pleasure talking to you. And I hope that uh, others will, will be, enjoy this, but also maybe be a guest as well and share their, their wisdom and expertise. Thank you. Uh, yeah, Dr. Amy, thank you for modeling, giving your time in the midst of your busy patient day, amidst everything going on to be here for us. Uh, we will share all your contact in the show notes. Uh, we hope that whatever stage you're in as a professional, if you, when you see this recording on social media or however you get it through the CPA website or the app uh, that you share with us, your thoughts, feedback, reactions, and questions for Dr. Amy and ideas for future shows. I believe, I believe it's not quite there yet, but hopefully by the time this airs, we will have approval to do 
uh, one recording per month for the entire year. So I think that that's the aspiration. So fingers crossed to keep bringing content and value to the listeners where you are sitting in your home on your phone. So you can watch clips via video. If you have limited attention span, you can probably, we're going to give you little clips of Amy answering each of the pillars and areas of advocacy. Uh, so you won't have to listen to uh, the whole talk, depending on if you got Zoom meetings uh, or kids classrooms to attend to. We know how busy <laughs> all of you may be in this stage. So thank you again, Dr. Amy, yeah. uh, on behalf of uh, Richard Listens. I thank you all for tuning in. I appreciate it. Please, uh, if you can, check out my Patreon page.com, patreon.com slash Richard Listens, or Instagram, Richard Listens. Uh, you get the theme. We appreciate all your support and interest. We're now up on iTunes, Spotify. If you're interested in therapy, teletherapy, any kind of consultation, please don't hesitate to reach out to me um, through my website, richardlistens.com. I'm happy to help and support in any way through any kind of strain, support, or isolation you are going through. We are here to alleviate strain and suffering. Thank you all for tuning in. I'm Richard Listens, and I'm out. I'm a big fan of MMA sports. It's rough and elegant at the same time. I think my number one fear of stepping into a ring like that would be protecting my teeth. Luckily, the guys over at Impact Dental Designs have created an amazing mouth guard that is state of the art. These mouth guards are currently being used by some of the best MMA fighters, but even better, they can be tailored to any sport. Football, hockey, boxing, soccer, the list is endless. Head over to impactdentaldesigns.com slash richardlistens to get 20% off your order and a free customized design for your mouth guard. Lastly, I'd like to proudly mention our sponsor, Injitsu.com, providing remote at-home training from some of the world's top MMA fighters. These classes are not pre-recorded. These trainers come to you live and coach you for the duration of the session. I've personally taken a few of these classes and I've never felt so inspired and accomplished in a workout session. They'll leave you both on the floor in exhaustion and with a drenched shirt. There are still slots available for online classes, so head over to injitsu.com slash richardlistens to get your first class free. That's I-N-J-I-T-S-U dot com slash richardlistens. Take care, everyone.